Welcome to Arts Northwest. We're Gate Falls Shibiti Arts Northwest, Equela O Unan Atlanta, broadcasting from the Glens Arts Centre at Manor Hamlet with myself, Brendan Murray. For our last programme of the year, we'll be listening to our recorded in-house session with double bassist Martin Brunston of Hothouse Flowers and Bronwyn Kavna from the beautiful County Clare. It gives me great pleasure to welcome Martin Brunsden and Branwyn Kavna to our in-house session. We did some of these sessions during the lockdown period and uh, we're re-establishing them here at the Glen Centre. You're very welcome, Martin. Very welcome, Branwyn. Um, and today you're going to, first of all, maybe tell us a little bit about yourself because, Martin, I know you've been living in the area here in Leitrim for quite some time. Branwyn, you're a Regular visitor, shall we say, but based in Clare. Uh, um, what I'm fascinated about is we have two really unusual artists because I think you would be both maybe put in the category of kind of, well, hard to put in the category actually, but that's why I would say, and I hate this word in a way, is experimental. But first of all, Martin, tell us about your own background and what brought you to Leitrim. I know, like, for example, you play with the Hothouse Flowers, whom everybody would know. Yeah, I'm, uh, well, I have a long-standing relationship with Ireland. I've, um, it all came about because I was working on the crew at the Glastonbury Festival in 1988, and I met Hothouse Flowers, who were at the zenith of their popularity at that time, and I was swept onto the main stage. And um, and that, and then I got, I just formed a friendship with Liam O'Moynley, the lead singer, uh, which. Uh, has only grown over the years. He encouraged me to come to Ireland. Um, and so I came after that event. Um, so shortly after 1988? Yeah, so yeah. So you were here quite yeah, some time. Yeah, yeah. well, I, I've been working here on and off since then. You know, I've been doing tours and sessions and things like that. And then 17 years ago, I came here to live. And um, uh, I've been playing with the Flowers for 14 years as, as a double bass player. Um, and if I can ask, why specifically Leitrim? I fell in love. Uh, <laughs> Best reason in the world. I fell in love with a fiddler, and uh, that's what brought me to Leitrim. Um, but what brought me to Ireland was the music and the way that music is so appreciated. And uh, music's important here. Uh, where I come from in the southwest of England, there's a lot of disconnection in terms of uh, cultural disconnection, you know. And so I can put it quite simply, uh, you know, if somebody in England would say to me, what do you do? I'd say I'm a musician. And they'd go, all oh, right, but what do you do for a living? Whereas in Ireland, well, people, people would ask me, here, what do you do? I'd say I'm a musician. Yeah. They'd go, oh, really? Who do you play with? Get right. it out, play yeah, a tune. Okay. Uh, it's, more it's, it's more respected and more important and still more in, in, entrenched in the society as something that's, that's, that's worthwhile, that has value. And that's what yeah. brought me here, really. Yeah, but I mean, I suppose in a way, if you look, because we were still, if you like, relatively maybe a peasant culture uh, until, you know, say the last 40, 50 years, that that's why it endured in a way. But if you look at the, like particularly say somewhere like Bristol, which has produced some amazing music over the last number of years with 
Portishead and, you know, electronic music. And massive attack. Massive attack, of course, absolutely. Mm. Um, in, in, you know, I mean, that's, I would think that that's still influenced by traditional folk music. Oh, I think it, well, I think f- f- English folk is a different, completely different thing in a way. I mean, what's amazing about England now is that it's an incredible smorgasbord of cultures. Indeed. Yeah. You know, but, but in terms of the pure drop, it's much harder to find. It's not that it's not there. It sure. is there, but it's, there are very few people who really align themselves with it. And there's much less interest and respect for it. Uh, so as I say, I found here there was just this magnificent depth of, of, of respect for music, which I didn't find uh, there. We're going to hear the first track you've recorded here, uh, Chanson. I'm going to chat to you, Brenman, about your own background in a minute. Uh, but first of all, tell us about how this came about, because it really is a fabulous piece. And uh, I'm not going to say what's in it. We'll talk about it afterwards. But where did the Chanson come from? Um, well, a few years ago, I happened upon a book of poetry and... In it, I found an Oscar Wilde poem called Chanson, and there was kind of an invitation to turn this poem into a song, so I did. So it, it, <laughs> this it, is re- Oscar Wilde's... It's verbatim, Oscar Wilde. Yeah, so it's his wow, words, brilliant. and then I just played the guitar, and that the song happened. Yeah. Plant lilies at 
that piece was an adaptation of a. I, I've just been informed because I, I I didn't pick up on it when I was listening to it, uh, of an Oscar Wilde poem called Chanson, and it's recorded here at the Glens Centre, with our guests today Branwen Kavna and Martin Brunsden. Uh, Branwen, uh, tell us your merging with Martin here, because what we were listening to Martin playing there was the musical saw. The musical saw, which has an amazing sound. Absolutely incredible. We were inside in the studio there listening and I went, at first when I heard it, I went, is he whistling? <laughs> then I looked at it and went, wow, he's got the saw. You're obviously rooted in a kind of folk tradition yourself. Yeah. yeah. Traditional and, you know. Um, how, how did yourself and Martin get together? There is a heritage and folk festival in um, Manor Hamilton and Aoife organised by the wonder, wonderful Aoife Hammond of yeah, Aoife uh, Hammond. Manor Hamilton Castle Folk of the Fia Cafe yeah. exactly so Aoife is a friend of mine for uh, many years and then I had kind of really wanted to come and see the cafe and then she invited me to come down and there was funding for like to work with a, a local Leitrim musician so then me and Martin ended up so it's only very recently this is coming together yeah yeah, th- yeah we've wow. only met one other time before this we just made yeah. this year yeah. yeah, yeah, made this year. It's, it, it's, it, if I may say, it's a, it's a musical marriage made in heaven. And Martin, how, like working? Uh, obviously, you've worked with many vocalists before. But what, what's your approach to coming in to work with someone, someone you know, like Branwen? Well, I, I am largely an accompanist because of the instrument that I play. The double bass is my main instrument. So I, my job, I've always felt, is to listen, try to listen to the person that I've met uh, and get an idea of why they're playing music and then listen to what they're playing and then just try to make it sound better. Or it's not better, because it's usually wonderful without me already, but, you know, to, to embellish or to... Um, add to in some way in some meaningful way but I think it's very much about trying to keep out of the way of the music that already exists before I show up um, I, I, I'm more interested in supporting something that is there than uh, and and, and <laughs> please tell us about the saw how, oh, the how saw. do you and the saw get on oh, how saw, do you make those sounds? the saw's an amazing thing well the, so what happened what happened with me with the saw was I have an, a, a friend who's an antiques dealer who, who knows that I'm interested in strange things and he rang me up one day 35 years ago and said I've got this musical saw from 1928 would you like to have it now, when you say a musical saw, how is it different to a regular saw? It's actually not really. I mean, you can play a regular. Pa- it's like a panel saw, like a carpenter's panel. I mean, saw. I've seen them on the streets in Galway in the past. You know, yeah. guys with a saw. And- yeah, well, actually, interesting that you mentioned that because one of my inspirations for the saw is a man called Henry Dagg, who I would have to mention really. Henry Dagg is uh, f- from the north. I think he's from Belfast, and he's an absolute virtuoso on the musical saw. I used to listen to him in Grafton Street playing, and marvel at the fact that he could play Bach. And I, in fact, one day he played the flight of the bumblebee on the musical saw which oh, is wow. which is actually impossible i don't really know how he did it but i was i knew henry for a short period of time and he was he very much inspired me and that was around the time that i got hold of my own saw i now have a whole collection of saws of all sizes and shapes and tone tonalities um but it's really it, but, but so what, uh, so so you know when you're at home in your studio or workshop or whatever you're just playing around with different sounds with different saws yeah i've done lots of that yeah, I've done lots wow. of that. But what's amazing to me about the saw is that because it's a sliding, you know, it's from... Mm. There are no frets, there are no stops, there's no, 
you, you've got this completely free arc of tone of, of a pitch rather from low to high but yet looking at you you were moving the bow very selectively obviously up and down as as the song yeah. was being bent every note has a different bowing position so you can't just bow in the same position like you might do on a possibly on a fiddle you've got to move the bow up and down the blade as the blade bends. because of course there's no fret on it because there's yeah. no frets yeah that's just the, i mean that's just the physics of how it works i suppose but for me personally when i first started playing the sorrows and still i'm amazed by the fact that i kind of have a direct direct link with it anything that i can sing i can play without having to think about it whereas on a double bass there'd be a bit more of an intellectual process going on, you know, to find the right notes kind of thing. But I've got a completely direct thing for some reason. Um, I'm it's, not always in tune now because it's like playing an octopus. It's, <laughs> it's a bit like the Ilan Pipes, I often think, when I watch an Ilan Piper yeah. with the bag and, it, you know, the drones and all the, all the bits. It's how do they do it? Yeah. And the yeah. saw is a little bit like that. It's sort of out of control and it's never going to be fully in control. And that's part that's of its part beauty. That's beauty, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And Branwen, your own background then in music, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very tough business these days to kind of make, make a shilling out. But you're, you're, you're obviously dedicated to your art, which is, you know, most, most artists are. Um, but over the years, like, what has driven you to, you know, pursue music? I kind of always just played music. I wrote songs since I was really young. Was the music in the family? Not really, no. Right. Um, well, my and me and my twin sister kind of started a band when we were about 21. And that was just kind of being moved completely by just everything kind of... It was like the road was paved out before us. Like, there was no question about that, hap like, working. I don't know, it just kind of... Everything kind of came to us, you know, we didn't have to try very hard. And it was very, very magic. And I think that's probably the biggest word for me is just, yeah, doing it because it's what feels like the right thing to do and sure what else would I be doing and I can't not Indeed. do it and what also yeah and so yeah and then just so we did that for many years actually we have an album coming out it's kind of a time traveling album it's coming out <laughs> this uh this winter what does time traveling mean it means it got lost in a time loop and is arriving again <laughs> so what year did you record when did we meet and when were you that recording was it 2013 Okay. Yeah. Okay. Right. So a long time ago, and it's unreleased. And yeah, and then been doing a few projects. Like so it's going to see the light of day this year. Yeah, yeah, brilliant, yeah, yeah. brilliant. Yeah. And then say the next track we're going to play, Criminal. Yeah. Tell us about that. Oh, uh, I think it's like a, a sassy feminist song, <laughs> and I could, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Well, that that'll do yeah. with me. Yeah. Criminal, a sassy feminist song.
You're listening to Arts Northwest with myself, Brendan Murray, and we have Martin Brunsden and Branwen Kavanagh in studio uh, as our guests in our in-house sessions today. Um, Branwen, criminal there. Uh, it's interesting, we were talking earlier with Martin about English folk music, and I would think you'd be nearly more in tune with what I would, my familiarity with English folk music than almost Irish folk music. Oh. Or, or are you aware of it? Like, I was listening to June Tabor recently. Who to oh, me yeah, I love June Tabor. goddess of, of folk yeah. music. Uh, you know, you're in that genre. And I, I know it's terrible to be pigeonholing people, but do you know what I mean? It gives us a flavour of we, we all have our influences. We all have our, even if they're subliminal. Would you be in listening to English folk music in any conscious way? or? I don't really listen to music very often, really? honestly. No, because... Um, I get quite overwhelmed by music like it takes a lot like I would listen to maybe one song a week do you know what I mean if I was listening to something and then because I really believe that like if a song wants to stick to you it will and then it gets stuck under my thoughts and then so it's very so I really like to be in tune with my own melodic tendencies you know or like if I really consciously want to listen to certain kinds of music then I will but I don't really I mean I mostly just listened to Tom Waits when I was a teenager and and I listened to Nick Drake, I suppose, maybe that's English folk music. And like, I would have been, and then over the years, I just really liked going to sessions and listening to my friends play music. And that was really beautiful because it was like the song was alive and it wasn't this like disembodied kind of like sonic wave. It was just like really with people. And then someone would sing a song and it would hit you and you'd be like, oh, I really want to sing that song. And then you'd stick with that song or you'd you'd look for, like I, I love June Tabor, for example. And then... I was introduced to her by going to loads of sessions and like people singing like some of her songs and then wanting because her voice is ridiculous. It's amazing. But no, I wouldn't. I Yeah, I, I wouldn't. I really I'm really against kind of genres anyway. And I don't. Um, <laughs> but you can be against genres that still exist. <laughs> well, I mean, if people want to decide that's cool. I don't. I really. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. That wouldn't be my first impulse at all to say 
English folk music, yeah, but uh, sure, yeah. But, but uh, sorry, just back to you, Martin. Isn't it interesting then, you know, we have this, obviously, I mean, folk music is just, it's music of people. It's, you know, expression. And of course, we're very, very linked, Britain and Ireland always have been. I mean, you know, if you listen to early Planksty stuff, they were old English folk songs or Scottish songs, you know what I mean? And we, we, yeah, absolutely. Who would have been massively huge in bringing stuff over? And, you know, I mean, people still think Dirty Old Town was written about Dublin. It was written about Salford, you know what I mean? Um, so I find that interesting, that that cross-pollination between the two. And they're, you know, in a way, I, I'm almost thinking, in a way it gets back to what you were saying there about, you know, the, the genres. Because, you know, as, 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 as you know, Christy Moore said, all music is folk music. Mm. Yeah. That's funny. Somebody asked me recently about my folk, what's my folk music? Well, my folk music was reggae, actually, because I was brought up in South London or near South London. During um, the height of the, 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 the boom that, of it. Yeah, yeah, Bob Marley and all that kind of thing. Yeah. And a lot of my friends were Rastafarians. I mean, people in my, sitting next to me in the class were... My classroom was filled with people from all over the world. There were Chinese people, there were Rastafarian people, Africans, there were French people, there were, and you know, and there were white, uh, white people like myself, and so on. So my folk, the folk, the music that I really brought up with was brought up with that really influenced me the most was Jamaican, and they were a lot. A lot of my friends were Jamaican, and to this day, uh, I still find that music it kind of moves me more than most things and I really hear it in Irish in the tunes as well in fact sure. some of the musicians here have made that link Sharon Shannon made an album way back with Dennis Bovell uh, who's one of the big reggae musicians from London um, you know and uh, Steve of course Steve Cooney would would certainly have that influence I would say in his music uh, is a beautiful bass player and some of his influence would be coming from reggae as well and you know and then there's that link between Irish folk music in North Africa of course so I as you say folk music is music of the people and we're all the same really we all want a good night's sleep and we want our children to be safe and it doesn't really matter I don't think where we come from and what's so beautiful with music is that it's a universal language it doesn't matter what spoken language you speak we all all human beings understand musical expression and so I feel very much that what I'm hoping to do is to use the language of music to speak um, and that's of course what we're all doing as musicians
its tail disappear and she a great mountain of terror the vulture and the hungry earth the sea that reveals a bright flower the fertile and life-giving earth and she the surging swell of I'm going to ask you, Branwen, please, to pronounce the title of that Quatlequay. Am I getting it right? Yeah, it, yeah it's Quatlequay, I think. It's the name of an Aztec creator goddess. Uh, yeah, who's um, cool. She's great. She's kind of like the, the honest and almost unforgiving nature of kind of the earth in a way where she's... Um, yeah, both nur- nurturing and also merciless. <laughs> and I kind of like this as a female archetype. I think it's quite interesting. Um, and she's got like a belt of snails that goes all the way up to heaven. Um, <laughs> she's got a belt of, sna- of snails. Yeah. Snails. <laughs> right, okay. but Why not? Good way to get ahead. <laughs> but I, I like that archetype because it's kind of, it's, um, it's quite round in terms of like the feminine and is often kind of perceived as like this like... Uh, very receptive kind of nurturing thing but actually the earth itself is kind of has this mercilessness that's like causing you to grow and kind of bring yourself kind of refine yourself and challenge yourself as well so I think it's quite yeah. You've been listening to an in-house session recorded here at the Glens Art Centre with Martin Brunston and Bronwyn Kavanagh. We'll hear the second part of that in the new year but Shinnewilde Enjoy the festivities. Maybe a time of joy. We look forward to having you tune in again in the new year. My eternal gratitude to the wonderful Mark Gavin on sound and to our researcher producer Craig Cox, who's been on board for the last couple of months. Thanks also to the Arts Council Pubble and 
Council for their continued support. This show goes out again on Sunday. And it's available on all podcast platforms or through Ocean FM. Afreen Fuwashes Fuyan. Happy New Year to all. The very best over the festive season.